Hey everybody, it is Easter Sunday and I don't know about you, but I'm about to be done with this coronavirus. This thing is like ridiculous. I just can't wait to be back in church with everybody. We're filming all of these messages outside and uh, you know what? This is an Easter sermon, but I truly believe we're gonna be together. I don't know when it is, but the next time we all get back together, we're gonna celebrate Easter the right way, all of us yeah, together in word. community. But I got a, I got a word for you today, uh, and I wanna talk about this subject, motivated by a miracle. Motivated by a miracle. And I'm gonna jump right in. Are you ready? I hope you got your Bibles, you, you're tuned in, worship was great. Franklin and Genesis and the team killed it. Now let's, let's jump in. We're talking uh, New Testament, Mark chapter 16, Gospel of Mark chapter 16. The Bible says this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. How great is that name? You got Mary, Mary, and Salome. <laughs> Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Now, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Notice this, on Saturday night, they're buying all the burial spices and they get up early Sunday morning because they want to go uh, prepare the body of, of Jesus with all of the anointing spices that they purchased. Now it says, on the way, they were asking each other, on the way to where? On the way to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, I love that this Mark tells us that, and the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. Mark chapter 16, verse 8 says this, The women fled. Notice the angel tells the ladies that Jesus has risen from the dead. And the angel says, go back and tell Peter and the other disciples. And the Bible says, after the angel spoke to them, Mark chapter 16, verse 8, it says that the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Now stop for a second. Jesus has risen. An angel dripping in the glory of God tells you Jesus has risen. And he says, now go back and tell Peter and the other disciples. And you run away. And the Bible says they were so trembling and bewildered, they said nothing because they're too afraid. Word for somebody today, don't let your fear shut up your faith. They were so freaked out by what they, they saw an angel dripping in the glory of God. The angel says, go talk about it. And they're like, nope. Ain't talking about nothing. Now, don't let your fear shut up your faith because there's something inside of you that needs to get out. And the devil says, stop it. And you got to say, not today, devil. It's coming out. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 says this. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman who had cast out seven demons from the Bible says she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. I mean, would you? Let's be honest. No, we saw him die. We saw him crucified. He's not risen from the dead. Mary's like, no, I'm telling you straight up. Real talk. I saw him. It says this, afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed him. Once again, no one believed him. Mark chapter 16. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief. Oh, snap. 
because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. All these people telling them Jesus rose from the dead, they didn't believe, and Jesus said, man, y'all, what, you're crazy. I rebuked that. Then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. The Bible says this, they will cast out demons, so those who believe in the name of Jesus and live for the name of Jesus and take on the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons in my name, they will speak in new languages, they'll be able to handle snakes uh, with, with, uh, with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. I, I love that. It's like, they can cast out demons, they can do miracles, they can handle a snake. I mean, it's like, all right, thanks, Jesus, you're awesome. They get, they get bit, they get poisoned. I get Jesus on me. It's like, what, what, what is that all about, man? But it says this. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. I love it. He, he brings it back around. Yeah. They get bit by a snake. It's all good, but they're going to heal people, right? It says, now when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So what happened was they just had an expectancy, they believed, and God worked through their expectancy and their consistency and their commitment. Now, I want to speak on this subject today, motivated by a miracle. Now, now um, I want to talk about expectancy for a something. Because a lot of us, I believe, have expectancy, but I don't think it's consistent. I think we have expectancy, but I think when we don't see God do something in our timing, we lose expectancy. But you have to have a consistency with your expectancy to see your miracle come to fruition. Yeah. I think a lot of times we don't get things right away when we ask for them because God wants to know if we really actually believe in our heart, you'll really get it. Do you have the consistency and the expectancy to truly believe that God can do what he said he can do? You know, um, I don't know if, if you, you've noticed because it's all these cameras and stuff makes me look like I have tons of hair, which... Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I, I've worked so long to keep my hair. It's falling out. It started like, it started like 15 years ago. I was bending down doing yard work, and Teresa goes, I think you're a little thin up top. I said, Laura, I cast that out in Jesus' name. <laughs> she did. She, she's like, There's, it's getting bald up there. And I think that was just the day she cast a spirit of baldness on me. And it's just, it's continued. <laughs> it's continued. And I've done everything I, I have. I mean, it's just like, if, if a zombie apocalypse happened I, I happened, I have so much brown paste to cover my scalp and I have so much powder I, I could this this is all smoke and mirrors don't believe what you see but I, I've tried everything I've tried Rogaine I've tried Papisha I've tried certain shampoos my mom even recently bought me this shampoo I mean I've tried everything and here's what I what I truly believe I believe if I try a product for three days I should have a full head of hair after three days you know, I mean, just, you know, what I'm talking about you, like you get a new product and you're like, I'm trying it. And after three days, if you see nothing happen, you're like, I expect it. I expect a miracle. I expect hair. I've used Propecia for three days. Where's it at? And it doesn't happen. And I give it up and I go back to the doctor, say the doctor to the doctor. I said, this didn't work. And the doctor said, well, how long did you try it for? I'm like, I tried it for three days. He said, you weren't consistent with the product. It wasn't the product's fault. It was the consistency in you to follow through with the product that I gave you to use. Yeah. 
A lot of people today are blaming God for what they don't see happen, and God's going, ha ha, you have expectancy for three days for a husband. You have expectancy for three days for a new job. You have expectancy for three days to see a miracle, and when you don't see it in three days, you give up the consistency of the expectancy, and that's why I don't do it. Because you don't really mean what you say. You're not motivated by, yeah, motivated yeah, by a miracle. So You're motiva motivated by your own selfish desire. Yeah, sure. I think what's incredible about this, this story is I wrote down in my notes here that repetition impacts results and results produce rejoicing. I'm going to say it again. Repetition impacts results. The more you do something, the more results you see and results produce rejoicing because you're expectant, you're consistent, you're committed, you believe. And in that, Jesus goes, I'm going to work something in them because faith without works is dead, but we have to work consistently with expectancy to see something happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love this, this story. It, it's incredible. I mean, Jesus was, was dead, but Mary and Mary and Salome were still impacted by something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Bible says they got up early Sunday morning and they went to the tomb, even though the situation looked dead. The situation was dead. They were motivated by a miracle to actually see something happen. I believe it. Now, what happens in our lives when you and I have a situation that looks like it's dead? It, do you just give up? Are you expectant in the dead, the dead situation, whether it's financial, relational, emotional, physical? Are, 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 are you done with it? Or are you consistent in your expectancy and motiva motivated by a miracle that actually God could do what he said he could do? What do you and I do when we're in a dead situation and we want a miracle? What do you and I do? How do you stay motivated in a miracle when things look com completely dead? I want to look at the story and I want to give you a couple things today. Number one, I want you to come prepared to Jesus. When you feel like the miracle's done, when you feel like it's dead, when you feel like there's no way you can be motivated, what do you do? You come prepared for Jesus. Now, here's the key word, expectancy. Come prepared for Jesus. The word is expectancy. Come prepared for him to move. Come prepared for him to speak. Come prepared for him to do something in your life. Come prepared for him to do the impossible. Come prepared for him to work and move in your life in a way you've never seen him work and move. Do that one time, two times, consistently. You come prepared to see Jesus move. It's expectancy. Bible says, Mark chapter 16, Saturday night, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they were, they, something tells, uh, they, were, they were expectant. Yeah. They got up early before the sunrise. Listen, can I tell you something? You need to come to church early. Yeah. You need to get in your Bible early. Mm. Yeah. Start worshiping early. Mm -hmm. Start praying early. You come expecting God to move and you will see God move. Come prepared for Jesus. Yeah. Don't come to church and go, well, that wasn't my favorite worship song. I need about three more before I can worship. You come prepared to worship. You come prepared to hear a word. You come prepared to give a word to somebody that's there that might not hear the message, yeah. but might need to hear a message from you through you because you're the only message they'll get that day. You come Ooh. prepared. You come prepared. I had a football coach. I remember he always used to say, you come prepared, man. You come prepared. And I remember I didn't know what that meant. But I figured it out one day 
when I was running late and we lived on uh, across the, the river. We lived, I grew up in Merritt Island, Cocoa Beach area, and I was coming to the football game and the bridge, the big barge bridge went up. And because it went up, I was late getting to uh, the run through of practice uh, for, for the game that night. And so I was late. And you know how when you're running late and, and your mind, you're, you're so frustrated because you're like, oh, I, I can't get there. I'm, I'm trying to rush. And because you're rushing, your, your, your mind is somewhere else. You lose focus. You're not ready for the game. You're not in the zone, man. You're not, you're not in the zone. I didn't have my, my headphones on. Listen to my Def Leppard. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't in the zone that night, that day. And I had the worst game ever. And I remember after the game, my coach pulled me aside and said, you know what happened, Blakeney? You won't, you didn't come prepared, baby. You, he always said, baby, you didn't come prepared, baby. You didn't come prepared. And I didn't know what that meant until I recognized it was focus. Something else had distracted my mind. Something else had distracted my focus, and I, I wasn't prepared. Mm. I think a lot of times on our way to church, if you think about it, you fight with your spouse, you're late, you hit every red light, yeah. you wake up and get mad at the kids. Mm-hmm. You, it, it, everything works against you on a Sunday when you're coming to worship. Do you know why? Because the devil doesn't want you prepared for Jesus. The devil wants to throw you off your game on the day that Jesus wants to do a miraculous thing in your life. So you come expectancy when you think things are dead. You come consistent when you think things are dead. You come prepared for Jesus when you think things are dead because he's the only one that can bring it back to life. You come prepared for Jesus. The second thing I wrote down is this. You, you got to come prepared for Jesus. The key word's expectancy. The second thing I wrote down is this. You got to keep pressing forward to Jesus. You got to come prepared for Jesus, the keywords expectancy, but you got to keep pressing forward to Jesus. The keyword here is experience. What does that mean? What I know at my age is just that I have experience in knowing that God comes through. A lot of us may not have that Christian experience, so you haven't seen him come through, but you keep pressing for Jesus, keep pressing into Jesus. This During this whole uh, coronavirus thing, I just, every single day, man, I'm strengthening, going, God, I know that you hold today. I know you hold tomorrow. I may not know what's happening, but God, you know what's happening, so I'm trusting you. It's in your hands. Even though I can't see it, I know you have it. And it's experience that I've, I've had to learn to trust it, but that doesn't mean I don't have my human nature that takes over someday Oh God, what do we do if we have to do this other six? What, what, you know, I, I don't know, but you trust God. You keep, you yeah. keep yeah. pressing forward to Jesus. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, it says this. On the way, they're walking to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? Y'all didn't think about this? Mary, Mary, and Salome, y'all didn't think about this big old honking stone <laughs> rolled in front of, y'all didn't think before you got there, maybe we should take a couple disciples. I mean, we got to anoint his body, but on the way there, they said, who in the world will roll the stone away from us? But I love that they kept pressing forward to Jesus. Why? Because the experience that they had with him knew that if the stone is still there, God will work it out. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, (laughs) had been rolled away. Stop worrying about what you can't do and keep walking to the one who can do what you can't. Stop worrying about all the things in your life you can't do and just keep 
pressing forward to the only one that can solve an issue that you and I can't solve. I love the fact that these ladies said, who's going to roll the stone away? Y'all, listen, Mary, Mary, and Salome, God bless you, but you got more problems than a daggone stone. (laughs) The stone was massive. The stone was huge, but the stone was rolled in front, mostly in Roman culture in in Jerusalem at the time. The tombs were left open. There was a door, they were left open. You know why? Because more than one person was buried in a tomb. So people could go in and out whenever they wanted to, to prepare other bodies. But this tomb, there was a stone rolled in front of the tomb. What does that mean? That means that no one else could get in. And it was rolled in from an incline. So it rolled down in like this. So it not just you could roll the stone away, it had to be rolled back up of this incline and then kept there. There's no way that, number one, the ladies could have rolled it out of the way and held it in place while Mary goes in and goes, I anointed him, let's go, let it back again. That couldn't happen. It was too heavy. But their concern was the stone. How about the seal? What is the seal, Sean? In Roman culture, whenever someone was buried, somebody especially like Jesus, who was high in culture at that time, who everyone knew about, they were trying to protect his body. The Bible says that when that stone was rolled away, in Roman culture, according to Roman tradition, they would put a seal over the tomb. It was, it was made, it was like this moldable clay, right? And they would take this moldable clay and put it over the seal, the seal over the stone, and they put a, a, the, the seal of Rome stamped right into that. What does that mean? If anybody tampered with that seal, it was death by Rome. You didn't think about that, ladies? Well, how about the soldiers? Do you know the soldiers were watching because they thought the disciples would take away the body of Jesus? You're talking four soldiers keeping watch transitioning every four hours, four soldiers every four hours, transitioning for 24 hours to keep a watch for that stone. And then no Roman soldier would let anybody get past them. You know why? Because in Roman tradition, Roman soldier, military culture, if a soldier was to let down his post, let down his guard, he'd be stripped and burned alive at the moment. So I got to believe those soldiers are probably watching every step everyone made. And those ladies, but when they walked, said, what will we do about the stone? (laughs) How about the seal? How about the soldiers? But they weren't worried about the seal or the soldiers. They were more worried about the stone. Why? Because I believe they thought, if we get there, we've seen our Lord and Savior do miraculous things. He can take down the soldiers and he can take off the seal. I'm just worried about the stone. Yeah. They had an expectancy because they experienced a miracle of Jesus for the years of their lives that let them know we're going to keep pressing forward to Jesus because even though we can't move the stone, if we get there, he can do it. Are you kidding me right now? What kind of expectancy is that? It's expectancy that says I'm motivated by the miracle of Jesus Christ even in the midst of a dead situation. Yeah, that's good. I'm coming prepared. I keep pressing to Jesus. And the third thing I wrote down is this. If you need to be motivated by a miracle, when you feel like you're in a dead situation, you continue to preach and praise Jesus no matter what. Yeah. You continue to preach and praise Jesus no matter what. You know what the key word? The key word is exalt. It's exalt. Look at Mark chapter 16. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterwards, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. No one believed him. P- 
people aren't going to believe the miracles you encounter, so you have to keep talking about the miracles you encounter. Mm. They're just, they're just not. The disciples walked with Jesus. They, they had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but no one had seen themselves raise themselves from the dead. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was too far-fetched, but they, 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 kept, they kept preaching. Mark 16, still, still later, he appeared to 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe uh, those who had seen him after he'd been raised from the dead. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, I'm giving you my name. He says, my name has power. I'm giving you my, my name. I want you to exalt my name. Why? Don't lift up your name because your name has no power. My name has the power. So you lift up and exalt my name. You come prepared for Jesus, keep pressing towards Jesus, and you keep preaching the name of Jesus no matter what circumstance comes your way. Many of us right now, we're preaching panic to ourselves. Don't preach panic to yourself. Preach Jesus to yourself. Are you preaching pain to yourself? Stop preaching pain to yourself. Preach Jesus. Stop preaching fear. Preach Jesus to yourself. Why? Because he's the one that changes your life circumstances. He's the one that changes your life direction. He's the one that changes your difficult mindset and perspective and changes it into a holy one, a set-apart one that's only from God. You've got to change your perspective. Exalt him. Preach him. Magnify him. Glorify him. It's the power that's in his name. Some of you are like, man, Sean's mad right now. He's, he's yelling. What's wrong with him? He, you know, Teresa just told me the day. I, just, I, I, was, I was talking to somebody. And she goes, stop. Why are you getting mad at them? I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm passionate. Right. Passionate, man. <laughs> Sometimes, man, I get fired up. Why? Because I love Jesus. I don't want to ever stop exalting the name of Jesus. Don't confuse oh, yeah. anger with passion. I'm angry at the devil. I hate the devil, but I'm yeah. passionate about my Jesus. Yeah. You've got to run after Jesus. Man, if you want to be motivated by a miracle, if you want to pursue Jesus, if you want to, even though things look dead in your life, you keep pursuing Jesus, keep preaching Jesus, keep exalting Jesus, keep praising Jesus, keep lifting high the name of Jesus. You've got to keep on keeping on, motivated by a miracle, even when things don't look like they're going to happen. But let me end with this this story. You know, um, let me say this. You've got to preach louder than your unbelief. You got to preach louder than your darkness. You got to preach louder than your pain. What does that mean? You got to start getting louder because the devil wants to tune you out. Yeah. The devil wants you to tune yourself out. And I'm telling you right now, if you begin to speak pain over your life, the pain will take over your life. But if you begin to speak peace over your life, the peace will take over your life. If you begin to speak fear over your life, fear will take over your life. But if you begin to speak faith over your life, Faith will take over your life. I'm preaching over my life. Jesus, peace, confidence, security, salvation. I'm tuning out the noise of the devil. You know, my daughter, Alyssa, back when... when, I, she was younger and before she got married and I remember I was watching TV on the couch and she was watching YouTube videos and her YouTube videos kept getting louder than the TV. And so I would turn up the TV and she would turn up her YouTube and I would turn up the TV and she would turn up the YouTube and she would turn up, I would turn up the TV and she, it, it just got, you know what I'm talking, it just got, and finally I said, girl, you better turn that off because this is my house. And I'm not getting any louder. I'm saying that today to say this. Many of you need to remind the devil this is God's house. And you shut up.
because you're not speaking any longer. There's motivation that happens in a miracle and you got to tell the devil, he is, if, if you want to speak to the devil, speak to the bottom of your shoe because you've already stepped on him. He didn't deserve to have any voice in your mouth. So understand, God is powerful. God is working. Be motivated by that miracle on this Easter Sunday knowing that you got to keep pressing to God, keep serving God, keep exalting God. Be expectant, be consistent, be loving, be fervent, run after him with everything you have and watch God do something crazy, miraculous in your life as you cling to him with everything you have. Yeah. Man, listen, I'm, I'm believing today on this Easter Sunday that some of you, you're, you're right now, you're just going, I had no idea. Man, that guy's, that guy's preaching angry. Now I'm preaching passionate because yeah. you need Jesus. You need, don't go another day without Jesus. Yeah. The devil's speaking to you right now saying you can do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You can't. Can I tell you? I've tried. You can't do it on your own. That's right. It's all about Jesus. He rose from the dead so you could have new life in him. Yeah. So keep preaching him. Keep loving him. Keep following him. But first, you got to accept him. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe you're here and you're going, Sean, I, I've never given my heart to Jesus. What does that mean? That means you declare right now. You make a statement today that you're giving your heart to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to count to three right now, wherever you are. It doesn't matter what country you're in, city you're in, state you're in. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus today in your life. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Raise it wherever you are. Just raise, be bold. In Starbucks, raise your hand. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are. Raise your hand. Today's your day. Today's your day. If people go, what are you doing? You're like, about to give my heart to Jesus right now. You want to get in here too? Come on, bring him in. We're going to pray this prayer, all of us out loud. But if you raised your hand, today's your day. Let's pray this prayer out. This is the prayer that changes everything. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus today's my day. Today I'm giving you my life. Today I'm giving you my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all I've done wrong. And make me a brand new person. And as best as I know how, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, congratulations for all those today that prayed that prayer. Man, the Bible says you're a brand new person. You have new life in Christ. Your old life is gone. We love you so much. Listen, let us know if you prayed that prayer today. And I know that God's going to do something great in your life as you continue to pursue Him with everything you have as you're motivated by that miracle. We love you. Great job today making that decision for Jesus. We'll see you next week.